Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls? 291-6901. And you add the area code in Baton Rouge, which is 225. And that same number, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the country and all around the world. We do. All around the town. We'll take any call we can get. That's absolutely right. I've got a whole bunch of information here that has come to me over the last week that uh-huh. I just kind of want to talk a little bit about. But like always, just because we're talking about one thing doesn't mean our questions have to be limited to that topic. That's for a fact. We'll... You just give us a call. Anything might be bugging you. <laughs> Anything's <laughs> on your mind. I had a one of our loyal listeners sent an article to me, which... I found I'd not heard of this before. As long as I've been in car repair business going on 50 years now. Right. And I had not seen this particular problem, but uh, he was kind enough to send an article. And this was in Florida somewhere where a lady and her child were killed in a car tragically. And what they traced it down to is an unvented battery inside the passenger compartment of the car. Right. That's kind of become commonplace now. Mm -hmm. Instead of putting a battery out under the hood where it normally was for years, they have started to move them inside the passenger compartment, either under the back seat Mm -hmm. or even in the trunk. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, that battery has to be vented to the outside. When it's under the hood, it's outside. So it's vented just well, to the naturally, yes. But when you get it inside the passenger compartment, you have to vent that battery to the outside of the vehicle. And there is a special harness that goes on them. Is Well, it's a special it, installation procedure, sure. and you have to be sure that the harness, number one, you have to be sure you got the right battery. Right. Because it's not one of those deals where you just go to the parts store and buy a battery that looks the same, pop it in there, because they may not have the provisions for external venting. Correct. So you have to have the right battery. What is even more critical and There was not a lot of information on this thing other than the lady and her child were both killed Mm -hmm. by hydrogen sulfide poisoning, Poisoning, which is what a gas emits when it's charging, uh, the gas that comes out of a battery, yes. And I don't know if they had the wrong battery in it, because if you put too big or too small a battery, it may charge more. Could have been something wrong with the electrical system. We just don't know any of this stuff. Right. The article didn't lead into anything, any reasoning why. Right. So I went online and went to OSHA site, uh-huh. which they regulate exposure to almost any kind of chemicals and stuff. Right. And there is an article in there on hydrogen sulfide poisoning. And right. you would be amazed at how small an amount it takes to affect people. Well, you're talking about one hundredth to one point five. Yeah, one tenth of a part per million. Per million. Which right. is almost nothing. Right. And that gives you a smell that you would you, know. You can you smell, smell rotten egg type smell. But what's way more insidious, as that starts to come up just a little bit, I think it's around 50 or 60 parts per million, you won't smell it at all because it'll wipe out your sense of smell real fast. Right, right at 100 parts per, per million. million. Now, it, 100 it takes parts your... per million, I mean, that's not a lot of concentration. No, it's not. And then when you get down towards the bottom of the article, I think it was around 1,000 parts per million. Right, that's nearly instant death. Almost instant death. I mean, one, one, one or, or two breaths, breaths and, and right. you're gone. So, yeah, it's a very, very toxic product that we deal with and most of the time it doesn't cause a problem because systems are fairly robustly designed however you do have to be sure that you put this back exactly the way the manufacturer built it an engineer saw this he saw the hazards and he engineered a solution correct but he expects you to put it back what bothers me is i listen to the radio sometimes and i'll hear 
XYZ parts store, and yeah, if you come in, we'll buy a battery from us, we'll install it for you. Well, right. Great, as long as the person installing that battery is qualified to do it. And a lot of your aftermarket batteries do not have the provision for the right. venting well, system. It wasn't designed to be vented because it was designed to be put under the hood of the car. Correct. And they are still vented. They're just not designed where you can put the tubes on it and vent it to the outside of the car when they're installed inside the car. So if you put the wrong battery in, you can be causing a major, major problem, possibly a fatality. Sure. So just one more thing to worry about (laughs) in this world of things to worry about. (laughs) I'll tell you, let's go to the phone lines. We've got Al line. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. We've got a problem with a 95 Cadillac DeVille. Okay. I parked it for about a week and a half, came back, my battery was dead. Okay. I disconnected the battery, charged it up. But when I put the battery back on, I noticed a very light humming sound up by the firewall. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I chased it around, and I found that it's uh, some sort of a disc that's mounted to the back of the blower motor. It seemed like a gyro of some sort. Do you know what that is? Yeah, that's got an electronic blower motor on it. It's got all kinds of little gizmos in it, and that blower motor is obscenely expensive, Al. I remember we don't see them much anymore because the cars are getting older, but I want to say that blower motor is about $600. It's an electronic blower motor, and it's got the speed controller and all built into it, and that's probably what you're talking about. And what is likely happening, that is designed in such a way that when you turn the key off, it retains power to the blower motor for a number of seconds, and the reasoning is that it flows air through those ducts to dry it out before it shuts down, which keeps mildew and mold from building up in your ductwork because you got to remember it's hot and it's dark and it's, it's a good breeding ground for a fungus and all that stuff. So what they do is they put an electronic device in there that continues to run that blower motor. Now, when it malfunctions, it can continue to draw even when the key is off. So likely that's what's happening. I'm assuming without seeing the car, Yeah. but that was a very, very, very expensive experiment. <laughs> I guess you'd say, <laughs> GM used that for a number of years, then they dropped it, and they went to a more conventional setup with a separate speed controller like they use now. I think they only used that on the Cadillac, didn't they? Only on Cadillac's only one I've ever seen it right. on. Well, I disconnected it, and naturally, and I'm doing fine, except I don't have any heat in the air conditioning. Right, right. the blower's not so, going to work without it, so. Can you, if you got, the only way to fix it with that. Put another that, blower motor, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, because it, you don't have the wiring to drive a standard blower, because it's all computer-controlled, it's not like you can just hook two wires to it and make it work. You know, it's got to have yeah. a square wave pattern coming out of that control head on the automatic temperature control to tell it not only when to come on, but what speed to come on and all that kind of craziness. And I guess when you buy a Cadillac, that's just what you get. You know, it's in, I mean, even on 95, it had a lot of that. If you think that's ridiculous, go buy 2016. I mean, just the technology is mind blowing and it's all wonderful until it breaks. But when it breaks, there's a price and. Yeah, so this motor is still available, huh? I, I bought know. one. Yeah, I bought one about two weeks ago. Fella, oh, yeah. A lady came in who had a older Cadillac, and it didn't have many miles on it, but it was getting old, and the motor was pretty noisy, and she wanted to replace it. And yeah, I got one from GM. Still had it available. Well, I've only got 118,000 miles, so mm-hmm. it's good, but $600. Yeah, it's an expensive yeah. part. Very, very, yeah. very expensive. Okay, no way around it. Not that I'm aware of. There are some aftermarket ones that you can buy that may be a little less expensive, but the lady I'm talking about had put two aftermarket ones in there in two years. <laughs> that's why she, she said, yeah, that's really not that much. <laughs> I've been there and done that. So yeah. I, well, I do appreciate it. All right, Al. You can touch it. Thanks, Thanks man. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, I want to talk a little bit about that uh-huh. a little bit later on in the show, right. uh, about the technology on the cars and all. And I think it's uh, just about time we got to take a break right now. But when we come back, we can talk about that and several other things. Sounds great. Hey, be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. West. Travel my way, take the highway. The other night can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you can give us a call, we'd like it even better. That's it. A whole lot better than listening to us jack our jaw (laughs) (laughs) endlessly. We were talking about just different things. And then, of course, the topic with the battery Uh not installed properly. And that can be a dangerous situation. And what comes to mind is I see a lot of times people will put these big, huge stereo systems with the big amplifiers and all in their vehicles. And inevitably, they'll overtax the electrical system, so they may be tempted to add another battery. Right. And the only place, there's no extra place under the hood of a small car to add an extra battery. Mm -hmm. So it usually gets ended up in the trunk with the rest of the stereo equipment or whatever they're adding. Mm -hmm. And you get back to the same situation we had before. You've got to vent that battery to the outside atmosphere. That's right. You cannot leave it in the... You can't just set a battery in there, particularly in an application like that where you've modified everything. Uh Because as a general rule, that battery's going to get deep cycled pretty well. You're going to sit there and listen to the stereo. You're going to drag it down, and the electrical system is going to try to charge it back up. And when it's charging, again, when a battery discharges, the sulfur comes out of the sulfuric acid, attaches to the lead, forms lead sulfate. And the sulfuric acid becomes water. Right. Well, when you recharge it, what happens is that the sulfur breaks off, goes back into the hydrogen in the in the water, water, and forms sulfuric acid again, and the sul- lead sulfate turns back to lead. But when that occurs, the side product is hydrogen sulfide. It's a venting, which is a very, very toxic and explosive, corrosive, gas, and corrosive and explosive. So if you've got it inside the car and some people for whatever reason don't think about the trunk as being inside the car but it is yeah it's not sealed from the passenger's compartment there is a panel a trim panel or a back seat or something of that nature but it's not a seal even the back deck has holes in it correct where the air can move back and forth between the two compartments well and if not when you slam the trunk you'd be building up pressure and you probably the trunk probably blow the taillights out or something you know so yeah it's all tied in together it's not sealed so if you place a battery in that trunk, then it has to be vented to the outside of the car. And there are special batteries made to do that. And it also has to be mounted properly. That's right. You do not want a loose battery rolling around anywhere, whether it's in the passenger compartment 
or whether it's under the hood. You want that battery mounted solid to the vehicle. That's right. We see that so often. We do. Vehicles oh. come in and the battery, someone's changed the battery, left the hole down off. And at very best, that's going to shorten the life of the battery about 50%. Sure, because that's the, the battery, best thing that's going to happen. The battery's not tied to the vehicle anymore. It's sitting there vibrating and bouncing, bouncing around, around when you hit a bump and all that. So it, it kind of knocks those plates together inside the batteries, and they just don't last like it they should. It drastically shortens the life of the battery, and that's the best-case scenario. Yes. Now, we have seen where that battery bounces up in a hard curve, jumps over, hits the fan. Oh, yeah. And knocks it, the blade off the fan. Now well, it goes crazy and goes through the radiator and AC condenser. And Not only that, but that steel fan just cut a hole in the side of that case, and all that corrosive liquid has through thrown, acid thrown out. It all over the leak. electrical system, all over the electrical, the AC system, and everything else. Everything. You could technically almost total a car sure. with just that one little oversight. So yep. I guess the point is that there is nothing on a car that is so simple that it can't be done wrong. Uh-huh. You know, you hate to just sound like, oh, my God, you can't. And you can do a lot of things yourself. You sure. just have to understand what you're doing. And the best thing, if you don't really understand all the technologies and all that, is to put it back the way the engineer designed it. Because when GM, Ford, Chrysler, Toyota, or whomever design a vehicle, they test them extensively. And they put provisions in there to prevent most of the problems. Right. And there's nothing in that car that's not supposed to be there. That's right. There's nothing there that you could leave there out. Are no extra parts. That's right. Yeah. If it's if it's on there, it's it on needs there for a reason. To be on there. That's right. In so any situation. When you purchase a vehicle with an internal battery, and I think this was a Porsche Cayenne that the lady and her was. child was killed in. Right. But I know some of the Buicks have yeah. the battery under the back seat. The Mercedes has a battery in the trunk. Yeah, a lot of vehicles do have that. Some of your Chrysler products now, your Chrysler 300 okay. has a battery in the trunk. Okay. Just like the Mercedes. Right. And if you do have that and you go to replace your battery and you notice, okay, this battery costs $220. There's a reason. Yeah. And, you know, oh, my God, I ain't paying $220 for a battery. I'm going to get a $79 battery from XYZ. Uh-huh. Looks that just the there. same. Put that right in there and go. And this extra stuff, we'll just throw it out. Yeah. No, that's not going to work anymore. That's exactly right. And by the time you figure out you've made a mistake and you get ready to put it back, you are going to be shocked at what it costs to try to buy all those little components to put it back the way it goes. Sure. So some of those little vent tubes, I think there are, some of them are available aftermarket. I don't know. I know we had a... On a, gen- sure. on a general inspection, we spotted a car that came in that wasn't vented, and I told the guy about it. And I told him how important it was. Uh-huh. So he said, okay, well, let's, let's look it up correctly. So we had to buy the proper battery. And I want to say that little vent system, it comes in pieces. It was two little plastic elbows, some right. plastic tubes, and what have you. It was well over $100 just wow. for the vent tubes and stuff. And then the battery was about a $200 battery. So he was in about a $350 experience there. Yeah. <laughs> Mistake. <laughs> just to put it back the way that it went. Right. And I was assuming it had originally been correct. Somebody had taken it all out and thrown it away. And so, yeah, just be certain if you service your own car to put it back correctly. And if you have your car service, you might just want to follow up on that. Sure. Particularly if the, if the battery's inside the car. Now, if it's on the outside, it's not such a big deal. Well, they, there's not a vent system per se. Per se. It's still under, vents, the, hood. It's vents still, under the hood. Right. And it's in it's outside the passenger compartment. Well, because the air under the car is constantly moving. Blow it away. Right. I mean, technically, if you get a malfunction in your electrical system, you can have a battery that explodes. I have seen that seen happen it. before yep. where the battery is over uh, gassing over. and it produces too much hydrogen sulfide. It builds up on the hood and the spark, spark goes off and boom. I mean, sure. it literally goes off like a 
bomb. Well, yeah, we've seen them when you're hooking the charging equipment up. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you've got if somebody left the machine on and you disconnect the cables with sparks, mm-hmm. and that little spark could ignite that flammable vapor. I've always envisioned maybe a consumer or even a mechanic that smokes mm-hmm. raising that hood oh, yeah. <laughs> with a cigarette in his mouth that's an instant ignition source yeah you got an ignition source and you got a flammable gas particularly if you stick your face down <laughs> in there to look at something right that could be a i guess it's one more reason not to smoke <laughs> 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 not that i'm pretty sure old people but yeah at least not around your car right you know? <laughs> but yeah just something i kind of little tip we want to put out there and you may not ever run across that but then again you may right so, well, the way the cars are being built today, like I said earlier, you know, the batteries used to be under the hood. They mm-hmm. weren't a big deal. But now that they're inside the, in- the passenger compartment area, they really need to be looked after pretty closely. Well, and see, I one thing comes to my mind is with the electrical cars and the hybrids, of course, there are huge batteries in those. And generally, they're under the floor somewhere because that's just the only place they have to put them. And I'm pretty sure that stuff's well sealed and well vented oh, as sure. it comes from the factory. But let's say you get a 10-year-old car that and i'm gonna pick on a prius just because okay. the one that comes to my mind let's say you buy one that's 10 years old and the battery's been replaced in it and maybe the guy didn't feel like going back to toyota and paying thirty five hundred dollars for a battery so he went on the internet somewhere and ordered a battery and hooked it up and didn't vent it that, just, could, that could be a big 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 issue that's a sure. real big battery sure and those are definitely being deep cycled so i'm sure they're producing a lot of gas and i don't know i don't work on hybrids, so i don't know what provisions they've made to you know, maybe there's some safeguards in there. Don't know. Yeah, that, that would be a good thing to look up. And, yeah, and see. good thing to Google. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you got an electric ca- electrical car or a hybrid type car, then you're charging I, the battery pack. Yeah, you got big, big batteries and yeah, definitely a lot of charging going on. So yeah, something to look into if you start trying to modify things. And I just thought of something: the the glass mat batteries, the absorbed glass mat batteries, they work in the same way a regular battery does, That's except. Right. It's not a liquid. It's not a water inside of that compartment. It's a gel. Mm-hmm. And what happens, it still charges and discharges just like a regular battery, and it still vents. Mm-hmm. But the thing about those is they are self-contained. It can absorb so much pressure. It's as got it's like charging. an air gap in there that can absorb a certain amount of that pressure. But if you overcharge it, right, then it has a pop-off valve, and it vents to the outside. That's right. So or if you, if you quick charge it, for instance, if you totally rapid discharge, charge. rapid charge it, because uh, it's not designed to be done that way. And if they didn't vent it somewhere, you it would split, split the, the case, case open because it's going to build pressure. And it's like most things on cars, they're vented in one fashion or another. Mm-hmm. Almost everything on a car, I always tell people will come in and they've got water in their rear differential or water in their transmission. Well, how did it get in there? So, well, everything on your car that is lubricated, which is basically everything that turns is vented is going to be vented because Correct. when you take a petroleum lubricant and you stir it around or churn it, it up, it builds a pressure. It's going to be, create a pressure. And so it has to be vented somewhere. And what the rear differentials on cars, of course, not too many cars have rear differentials. They have front differentials because most of them are front wheel drive now, but even on the pickup, pickup trucks, they do have a rear differential. A lot of them will have like a rubber hose on the vent that goes up high into the body of the vehicle up on the frame somewhere right to try to prevent water from getting in but it it does a good job keeping the rainwater and everything else out because it is vented so far up into the frame rail it does but the rubber hose being a rubber hose it has a life of maybe six seven eight years whatever and they usually when they break they usually break right at the differential which puts the vent right on top of the differential tube then because the rubber is stretched over that vent tube 
you know, it maybe has a three-eighths inch vent hose, and that little vent barb is slightly larger. That's what holds it on. Mm-hmm. So it's being stretched there. Also, that part doesn't move, whereas wind and all blunt moves the rest of the hose. So it's going to sit there and constantly bend back and forth at that point, sure. which creates a stress riser. So generally, they crack off right at the rear differential. So and now, now instead of being 12 inches up into the frame rail, you're about an inch and a half above the tube. Right, and that's one of the things we always inspect for. When you bring your car in for a general inspection, that's just one of the things we look for. Right. Okay, your vent tube is cracked. Let's put another vent tube on there. And at this point, you're going to spend about 50 cents worth of hose and about 10 minutes time to put it on there. But if you don't replace that vent hose and you run through some high, high-ish water, and it really doesn't even have to be over the level of the differential because when you're driving through the rain, it's being thrown all under the car. Correct. The tires are spinning it around. It can easily go down that vent tube. And a few drops get into that oil, and it starts to emulsify the lubricant that's in there. And next time you drive through the high rain, uh, hard rain, a few more, more drops gets in there. Well, the water starts to attack the metal, starts to rust things, starts to pit the bearings up. It emulsifies the lubricant, which breaks down its ability to lubricate the high-loaded components in there. And before you know it, you're accelerating, and you're hearing a whining noise. Right. Now well, it's too late. That's about a $2,000 whine you hear. Yeah. <laughs> And could all have been prevented had you known that this little hose had broken off and needed to be put back on. Exactly. Same thing with the transmission. Transmissions is not as crucial Mm -hmm. because the the transmission is up inside the tunnel and the vent is usually right Right. up on top. But they all do have a hose that runs them up higher. Right. And if that hose breaks, you still run the risk of getting water water in it. Yeah. And when, like in the last few weeks, we've had all the flooding, and I know people up on the East Coast, right. the Carolinas, Georgia, all down the East Coast, has had severe flooding. And when you drive through high water, and when I say high water, something up maybe midway of the wheel, which a lot of people don't think anything of that, mm-hmm. but you've got a lot of water getting on a car that can get into these vents. Sure. And even if the water is not that high, and you're very slowly going through it, but the jerk who comes around you creates a wake (laughs) because he's speeding through the water and that wake washes over the motor and transmission of your car. You may very easily fill that transmission up with water. Right. Now, when when I say fill it up, get about a cup of water in in an average transmission. That'll wipe it out. Oh, absolutely. Once water gets into a transmission, it's done. Sure. It's just a matter of time. There is any number of people who will try to say all kind of flushes and stuff that they you're make not, money on. You're not going to get all that you water You are out. wasting your time. The damage is done. Sure. Because by the time the water gets in, it is immediately absorbed into all the clutch material. Which is water-based glue that holds the material to the back and Water-soluble. It immediately soaks into that, and when it does, it immediately starts to break it down. Now, it may not fail completely, catastrophically, to a month later, but it's going to fail. Sure. You can flush it till the cows come home. You can do whatever you want. Once water gets in, it's done. And if that water stays in there any length of time or in any quantity, it's going to start to pit up the little valves in the valve body. It's going to start to hit, attack all the bearings, the gears, and all that. Right. We get transmissions in where the water's been in them for a month or so, and they're generally not even rebuildable. Right. It's just another unit be gotten because everything's so pitted up. By the time you bought all those parts, it would cost five times more than a new transmission. <laughs> right. I've seen Josh take one down and had rust in it. That's right. From it, water. It starts to attack all those gears and all. And when you rebuild a transmission, usually you're changing all the seals, clutches, and things that wear, but you're not changing all the gears. Correct. 
But once those get pitted up, it's too late. Whole another story. Hey, one more quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Please join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. And should you happen to miss your opportunity today... You can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. There you go. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it on in. There you go. And that's the easiest and only way to get in touch with us. I know a lot of times during the week, folks will call from all over the country and, hey, can I talk to Lewis? I got a question. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, as nice a guy as I am, I just can't come to the phone and answer questions. That's why I do this radio show. Right. So you can call in and get your questions answered. And that's why we provide a website that makes it real, real easy to do that. But, yeah, just don't expect that I can stop because I am I do have a job, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> I know we sound like we cut up a lot, but we do both have jobs. And we work real hard with the people who are there, the people who have their cars in the shop. Correct. Require 100% of our attention. I just can't break off to go answer the phone call, a phone call and chit-chat with you about car so again that's why we provide the radio show and that's why we provide the website well if you need a live answer now's the time well that and the ladies that answer the phone are very very well trained uh-huh. they can probably answer 99.9 percent of any question you're going to ask right and of course a lot of times people don't want to hear but the answer is we'll bring it in let us check it for you and then we can tell you uh-huh. because on the radio show we give a lot of advice we'll check this check that and check that but when it comes down to getting the car fixed, it needs to be diagnosed. No one ever is going to be able to diagnose your car without seeing it. Right. Now, I can tell you some things that could be, but again, we're just talking on the radio as friends, as opposed to when you have to bring the car in and get it fixed. It doesn't do you any good to guess at what it might be. I had a lady one time, she says, well, suppose it's a fuel pump. Well, suppose it's not. Right. I mean, that does you no good. Well, I got a budget. Well, if you're budgeting for a fuel pump and it's got a bad relay, you hadn't helped yourself. And if you budget for a fuel pump and the gas tank is rusted, you still right. hadn't helped yourself. So, yeah, without knowing what's wrong, you're really not helping yourself at all. You're just going to have to bring it in to whomever you choose, have them check the vehicle, tell you what is wrong with it. Then we can go from there as far as talking about price and how long it's going to take to fix it and what the yep. options are and if you want to fix it. Sure. Because, I mean, obviously there are some cars that are not worth fixing. There's some things that just don't have to be fixed. Yeah, that's, so, that's going away pretty quick. That's getting less and less, but yeah. there are some things where the fix is worse than the problem. Uh, yeah. You know, for yeah. instance, a, let's take a valve cover gasket with a minor leak. 
you know, if it gets to be enough leak where it's running down the motor, obviously it, it has to, to have something done. done with it. It'll get in the alternator, it'll get in the starter, and take it'll those out. It'll get on out. exhaust manifold. That's right. Start cause all kinds of problems. But if it's just a very minor leak where it's damp around the surface, well, that doesn't necessarily have to be fixed. Exactly. At least not right now. Another example is like a rack and pinion with a very slight leak. I mean, if it's leaking, technically it needs to be repaired. However, you could add just a little bit of fluid for the next two years and probably not have any other symptom. Exactly. And it probably costs $1,000 to replace this part. So you got to weigh out. Not is a little that, bit of inconvenience worth? Well, not only that, but it gives you a little time. That's right. You got time to you get your finances together, get ready to do it. Transportation range. Right. Then you can do it on your own terms. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go to the phone lines of Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, I got two things. One of them is just a quick tip on that hydrogen sulfide mm-hmm. after working around it in different places. Mm-hmm. When you smell rotten egg, get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get past that point, on me, I feel a pressure like about a four-pound hammer sitting right above my nose. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I know I'm breathing it. I yeah. don't smell it, but and I know And they said the one that it. you don't smell is going to be the problem. Right. Yeah. Well, If it, you get it, a high, high want... enough concentration, you're not going to smell anything. You're yeah. just going to keel over That's dead. Only, <laughs> you, you, feel, you feel that pressure, but I've seen people walking down a catwalk mm-hmm. and blamp, and that ain't no fun falling on a catwalk. That's <laughs> right. Just, Absolutely. And the other thing, I, while I'm listening to you this morning, I'm – I have all my nuts and bolts of a 50-year collection, you mm-hmm. know, and they're in buckets. Well, they all filled up with water plus mm-hmm. about two foot in my shop. Oh, wow. And, and I've been wondering what to do with them. I got this morning, and got to be careful, pour muratic acid on them and let them sit about 15 minutes and then pour the acid out mm-hmm. and rinse them off and, and then fill the bucket up with diesel fuel. So that's looking, my bolts looking pretty good. <laughs> so that, them, thing, them things ain't cheap. No, not at all. And a lot of times it's just stuff like we've got the same thing at the shop. We've got bowls and fasteners we've collected over the millennia. And, yep. I mean, there's a lot of them you just can't get anymore. Right. You know, nope. you needed a certain your Volt for a 65 model Chevy Impala. I mean, you just can't get that anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have one, then you're pretty much in a world of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Find a machinist and he's going to charge you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you can even do it, you find somebody who can do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that was my two things. Okay, I Herb. Pass on. Great. Thanks, Thank man. You. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. Hi, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. You're in part of the automotive ride. We'd love to have you. Another very interesting email that I received this week. And this was a gentleman who works at a local automotive shop here okay. in Baton Rouge. And I'm not going to mention a name on the air, but he says he listens to the radio show. And he says he agrees with what we say and was wondering, he says, is an original equipment part the only way to go every time? And I wrote back and said, no, there are instances where something else could be used. And basically what we're looking for is the overall lowest cost to the consumer, to the customer. You want to give him the overall lowest cost. Now, the reason we use original equipment parts is because they don't create other problems, they last way longer, and the guy is not inconvenienced by having to bring the car back. So if you weigh all the costs, then it is way less expensive to use this OEM part. For instance, let's take a starter for a Honda, which might be $350 from Honda. Well, you can buy one for $150 from the parts store. Mm -hmm. But if it lasts about two months and goes out, now you're – even though it's under warranty, you got to do all the labor to change it again. Some of those take two or three hours or more to change. Sure. Let's say the drive comes apart on it, tears up your flywheel. Well, then the trans has got to come out. Yeah, now and where that's are That's a 10-hour job. That's correct. And these things do happen. Sure. So it is cheaper to spend more money to get a better part in these cases. And with any 
rule, there is an exception. Always is. Some of your aftermarket parts, depending on you know suspension parts, come mm-hmm. to mind. Mm-hmm. We like to use Moog parts. That's right. Moog parts exceed the factory parts in most cases. By the most cases, yes. And using those parts, we can put those in, be confident they're in, be confident they're not going to come apart. We can do the job and turn the car out, and we're done. Right. It's not coming back because of a bad part. Well, and I see three instances where I would use an alternative to an original equipment part. Number one, you just hit on. That's where uh-huh. there's a better part available from another source. Sure. And some cars, I mean, frankly, the, the original part just wasn't any good. They, right. had, they had a bad had design. Had a flaw. Flaw, bad whatever. Right. Then there may be a better part. You know, the reaction shell in a 4L60E is a classic example. Since 1982, they've been making a crummy part at brakes, and you lose Keep- second gear in reverse. And they come out with a billet steel replacement in the aftermarket you can put in, and it's better than the original. Sure. So, number one, if there's a better part available. Number two is if there is an equally good part available at a lower cost. Right. Now, an example of that might be an aftermarket radiator, because most of your name brand aftermarket radiators are just as good as the originals, and they're considerably less expensive. Sure. So And they're more readily available. Far easier to get. So if there is an equal quality part, that is less expensive then we would go with the less expensive part. Right. The third alternative, and this is just a little bit tricky, but it still exists, and I still want to mention it, and that's where you're in a non-critical application, and the cost is so much less with the aftermarket that it's worth assuming the risk. Right. An example of that would be like a taillight lens. You know, the taillight lens, let's say this one takes 30 seconds to change, maybe one minute to change. Worst case scenario, it's going to discolor or fade or whatever, and that's probably going to be a couple of years out. The original part is $150. This one is $15. And this one's $20. Right. <laughs> Obviously, it is worth taking the risk on something like that because sure. it's such an extreme difference in price. And Even if you have to, it's very easy to change. It's not life-threatening. It's right. not like the car is going to stop running or it's going to tear other things up. So in that case, you might want to try something else. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just common sense in some instances but what you're looking for is the overall lowest cost correct for instance we sell michelin tires because we find they cost less than all the other tires and people say, oh they cost no, more right. no they don't <laughs> because they last twice as long they don't tear up the front end exactly so if you add in the price of those ball joints you didn't need the price of shocks you didn't need the because you had out around tires on the car the rack and pinion it beat out the fact that they didn't go out at twenty thousand miles and they were out around you had to throw them away and all that it lasted sixty seventy thousand miles they rode better if you add all that up they're way cheaper sure and that's the reason we sell you know, I'm not trying to charge anybody for anything they don't absolutely need. I'm trying to lower everybody's cost. Correct. But you get enough experience, you start to realize that sometimes the cheapest way out is the most expensive way in. <laughs> like very often, that's the case. That's right. Let's go back to the phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hi, it's John from Toronto calling. Hey, John, how are you this morning? Good, how are you? Great, man. That's good. I... Uh... Um, I tried to get that dry silicone lube that you suggested for windows. I've been to different places, and they have cans of everything, but they don't have anything that's dry silicone. Is it possible that it's, there's an aim or a... Or a uh, there probably is. One of them said it's Teflon or something, and if it didn't say dry silicone. Yeah, and something like Teflon would probably work just the mm-hmm. same. You might send me an email, John, and I'll ask the guys at shop because I'm not familiar with the name brands off the top of my head. Brand name, Okay. I generally order something okay. by a part number, and, and I don't really see it, but I'll ask one of the guys in the shop what they're using. I'll do that. All the right. Other, I have uh, snow tires going on my car, and, and the extensions are too short on tires itself. Yes. And mm-hmm. last winter, I couldn't get a hold of them to put air in because they were too far in. 
Uh-huh. And I bought some metal extensions, extensions yes, and I thought afterwards they're pretty heavy, and I'm just wondering if that's going to throw their tire balance out at all. I doubt it would be enough right. to make any difference. They probably they they feel heavy, but they're probably less than a quarter of an ounce. Most likely would not be an issue, and I don't think you're going to be driving 90 miles an hour with snow tires anyway. So I don't think it would really be a big issue. Okay, thanks. All right, that's my thanks, fellas. Okay, John, thanks, man. Bye bye. Bye for now. Uh-huh. That's funny. It's a snow tire. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> we live, y'all live well, in New Orleans. Come on, man. Yeah, last, time, last time it snowed here was, yeah, I don't remember. 1985, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. But yeah, to us, winter is about four days in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> that was winter. <laughs> so we don't have a lot of use for snow tires down here. But no. Yeah, I guess worst case scenario, you could take your valve stem extension and put it on a scale. Weigh it. And if it weighed more than a quarter of an ounce, if you start getting up around half an ounce, you could basically get a half ounce weight and put it 180 degrees opposite exactly. the stem. If you, But I don't think they're going to weigh enough. I think they're just going to be a they do. very, very few ounces. Less than a few ounce, less than a quarter ounce probably. Yeah, I would say less than a quarter ounce. And pretty much anything less than a quarter ounce is not going to be a big effect. Yeah, most unless of your, you're driving a sports car of some sort. You most might of your balancing uh, equipment will balance down to a quarter. So right. a quarter is about the tolerance right. that most machines use if you have like a really low profile tire with a roller bearing and forged wheels and a rack and pinion and zero slack in anything and you drive very fast and you're very very picky you may you may pick up a quarter ounce sure. i know we could override our machines and go down to a tenth of an ounce and have done that go down to zero yeah down technically zero right zero grams and there are probably times when that's necessary. We also have the capability of making our weights because we have the weights on long tape. You can cut them to the exact length, which Correct. is the exact weight you want. So specialty shop can do that and balance even finer if you'd like. But for the most part, most people are not going to notice anything. No, under a quarter ounce. quarter of an ounce or so. Not hardly. So there you go. <laughs> now, we were talking about the aftermarket parts and stuff, and I see we just about time for a break. There are also times when I always recommend the original part. Uh-huh. One thing that comes to my mind is like on brake pads. I know every time we've used an aftermarket brake pad, we we come back with either a squealing noise, a grinding noise, or a walk or rotor, a walk rotor or something like that. Right. right. So there are instances where the OEM part is going to be the best. And you got to be careful because a lot of dealers now are selling a second line part. Right. They have seen that the the cheaper parts sell faster, so they have brought in a second well, line. Well, they which said is what happens? We're the missing these sales because people are buying aftermarket, so we'll just sell them an aftermarket. They're going to buy aftermarket anyway. And like Ford sells the Motocraft. Motocraft right. is not OEM Ford. That is an aftermarket part that the Ford dealer will sell you. Correct. GM has Durastop, which mm-hmm. is also an aftermarket pad. Even Toyota now has a second line. I've Nissan heard. has a second line. Yeah. So be careful of that. You want the original equipment part on those applications. Hey, take our last quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was... All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. 
What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Well, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. Still got a few minutes. Go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. There you go. That's a great phone call. <laughs> there you go. You just give us a call. You get, if you don't like advice, we'll give you W money back. <laughs> Today only. <laughs> For the next 10 minutes anyway. That's right. That's right. I was uh, talking to a young man who brought his vehicle in earlier this week, and he needed a fairly significant repair. Okay. He needed a transmission and it was an older vehicle, and as we sat and talked, he decided that he wanted to go ahead and do it. Okay. And there was another person who was sitting in listening, and after the young man left, he says, how much money is he spending on that old car? And I told him, he says, wow, he says, does that really make sense? I said, well, to him it does. And what you have to remember with cars, a car is not just a car. It's the freedom to go where you want to go. Sure. And if you have got an older vehicle that's paid for, it's in good condition other than one major problem. You might have the $2,500 or $3,000 to repair it, but you don't have the fifteen to $20,000 right. for a used one and possibly thirty to 60000 for a, a new, new one or more. So in that case, it does make sense. Sure. And like I explained to him, I said, well, what he had done is he had had a general inspection done the rest of the car was in good condition. He had maintained it. It was in good, good condition. It just needed one major thing. Right. And so to him, it did make sense to do that. I know on my car at 89,000 miles, the transmission went out and I had to weigh the decision. Okay. Do I want to go ahead and rebuild this transmission and put it back in? Cause at the same time, I also needed a set of tires. Sure. And I elected to do it and I've got well over 150,000 miles on it now. I've really had no more problems. You know, once I DGM'd it, <laughs> <laughs> I have had very few problems. We just got back from Gatlinburg last weekend and drove up there 680 miles right. one way, 680 miles back in one day without stopping. And, you know, my back didn't hurt because the car rides really well. I got 30 miles to the gallon. So I used a little bit over 50 gallons of fuel on the entire trip at two bucks a gallon, about a hundred bucks. It cost me to be able to go where I wanted to go, when I wanted to go. And Clearly, you could take a bus or you could do all kinds of things, but that takes a lot of your freedom away. Sure. You can't just go when you want to go. Even if you fly, you can't fly when you want to fly. You got to fly when that plane goes. Well, and then you got to find some kind of transportation once you reach the airport. That's right. And even when you get where you're going, unless you're going to maybe a theme park where you're going to stay there. Right. You know, we like to go ride out into the mountains. We like to go out and eat different restaurants and all. I had my car there. I was able to do so. A car represents freedom it's sure. freedom of transportation is what it is and sometimes it does make a lot of sense to go ahead and repair them even if it needs a major repair sometimes it doesn't it's one of the things you have to weigh out we're going to take a phone call and we'll talk about that a little bit more we've got david online good morning david good morning guys yes, good sir. morning 
You alarmed me a few minutes ago when you said that the motorcraft oil filter was not OEM. No, I, I didn't say I said motorcraft. No, the motorcraft brake pads are not OEM. Say again, please. The motorcraft brake pads are not OEM. Okay, but the motorcraft oil filter, oil filter is. is. So, you know, yeah. motorcraft is a supplier to Ford, and they also supply aftermarket parts to Ford. In other words, the the name motorcraft or the name Delco does not mean you are getting the OEM part necessarily. Okay, that's, but the that's, oil that's not okay then. Yeah, I'm the oil filter is okay. That is what they put on the original equipment part was a motorcraft oil filter. However, what you got to watch is like with Delco, for instance, Delco has got at least two product lines. You've got the Delco OEM line, and then you've got the Delco professional line. In my opinion, the professional line is nothing more than a cheap knockoff aftermarket part in an OEM box. And Unless you know the part number, you because they're both in the same color right. box. Same. There's they a, got the same I can buy an OEM water pump for a Chevy pickup that's about $280, and I can buy a knockoff professional line pump, which is about $65. Yep. And they all do that because what they have come to realize is there is a lot of money in cheap parts because an average person does not do the research. He doesn't look at the overall lowest cost he just looks at the price so what they reason out is okay if people are going to buy the cheap junk anyway they might as well buy it from us (laughs) so yeah you got to be a little bit careful it's 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 somewhat tricky but no buying original equipment manufacturers part in other words delco or motocraft does not mean you are getting the original equipment part now just to complicate this even more and i hate to throw this out this this is gonna really cross thread you you have a OEM, original equipment manufacturer. That is the same part they supplied to the assembly line when they built this car. Then you have what they call OES, which is original equipment service, which is a part they have built for the service industry, which comes from the dealership. It's not necessarily the same part that you got when you bought the car new. <laughs> so that really, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you, it takes an inordinate amount of a professional's time just to try to keep track of this stuff and try to make sure you're getting decent parts. And when you combine that with the fact that sometimes the OEM parts aren't any good, I mean, GM had an airflow meter a while back. We'd take them out of the box, and probably two out of every three we'd take out of the box didn't even meet their specs right out of the box, not even close. Amazing. So, yeah, it's a real, real mess trying to get good parts, knowing what good parts are. And you can't just learn this one time and do it because it changes up. This company may change hands, and the new owners decide, hey, we're just going to keep on. We got a good reputation. We're going to keep putting junk in this box to keep the same box. Nobody's going to know the difference for a while. We're going to make a fortune. Yep. Well, we're certainly glad to have you and Brian there on Saturdays to keep us on the right path. Well, I mean, thank we you. Really I'm telling you, yeah, it would take an inordinate amount of research just to know what kind of parts yeah. to use. For the most part, if you go to the dealership and you ask for the original equipment part, you're going to get steered pretty right. But again, if you go there and you ask for a set of brake pads at a Ford dealer, they're generally going to give you the motocraft pads, right. which is not OEM. They do sell the OEM Ford pad also. It comes in what they call blue box. It's, it's a Ford part because motocraft was not the original equipment manufacturer on that. Same thing with Chevrolet where Delco made some of the pads, but it didn't. Acubono made a lot of the pads for GM. So Acubono is the original equipment manufacturer. So when you get a Delco pad, you may be getting a Delco they have two or three different lines of pads, which are just an aftermarket pad in a Delco box. I've seen them double boxed. The original box with a with a factory box over it. Mm-hmm. Shortcuts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, they, they, can you give do-it-yourself or the consumer, me and everybody else listening, 
a couple of tips on, like, for example, you said you get stuff at the shop and it, it's brand new and doesn't meet the OEM specs. How yeah. does the ordinary guy? Boy, I'm going to tell you, that would be it's really, tough. really tough, and we are just about out of time, Dave. If you could call back next week, though, boy, that's a great question, and we will go into some different things that you can check yourself. But for now, we've got to line it on up. <laughs> tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written review, and please fill it out for us. There you go. And we, that'll move us up in the rankings where our name will come up close to the top of the list. More people listen. We can keep on doing the show. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.